Welcome to the Prime Leadership Podcast, where we keep you informed about the newest trends and discussions in the UK engineering and manufacturing sector. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Prime Workforce, dedicated to assisting leaders in engineering and manufacturing across the UK in recruiting the right talent for their leadership and management needs. Visit prime-workforce.co.uk. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Lee Kemp. Lee, how are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. Good, good. Lee, could you give the listeners your background experience? Yeah, I, I try and crunch it down into uh, you know the many years. I'm, I've got some grey hairs, so I try and get it into as succinct as I can. In the nineties, I worked for a company based in uh, in the southwest in Cornwall, to be specific. That's part of the CB Group. Um, they merged with uh, BTR Group, and they became Invensys, that some of you may have may have heard of. When I was working with Invensys, I have basically I have a manufacturing background and worked on the shop floor CNC machinists, and then worked my way through to production engineering, and then into senior roles in manufacturing. And when the company I was working for was basically come under the Invensys banner, I found myself in a lean leadership role. So I became the, the lean sensei for Invensys. And then okay. going global, really, I guess on the basis of working like uh, Kaizen workshops or continuous improvement workshops across the globe for, for Invensys. That was my start. It was back in the 90s. And, um, 19. And, and, and Lee, just for, for people who don't know what Invensys did or does, you know, you know give us an insight on Invensys. Well, so the CB and BTR group of companies that had a, a massive um, array of, of um, manufacturing companies. I mean, some that probably people have heard of would be like Westinghouse would be one of yeah. the companies. And then we've got Maxam Pneumatics, Parker Hannifin, uh, I worked for the pneumatics um, division. Yeah, interesting, good. Yeah, but a, a whole array of different companies, but predominantly manufacturing. Good. So in the, well, I guess, 1997 was when I was working in that capacity. And what I found was that up to year 2000, I was based in the southwest with a young family and traveling all over the place. And, but it wasn't really ticking the box as far as career goes. So to cut a long story short, we uprooted from the southwest, moved away from the from the sea, and ended up in the the heart of Derbyshire, where I am now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the reason for that is I joined Rolls Royce Aerospace in Derby. As a support. I was just saying, say, why would you do that in terms of right by the seaside? <laughs> Sunny to head up to Derby, nothing against Derby. I've you know got a lot of done a lot of business in that area. Yeah, great, great part of the world. But you know, I know. I, I asked myself the same questions and so did my family. But there you go. It was just it was just a timing thing. Everybody reaches these crossroads in their lives, and you know you make some choices. And my choice was that actually yeah. at, at that time in my life that I needed to do something else when it was more career-focused. So good on you. I was in Rolls-Royce Aerospace in the year 2000. My role of uh, 
as an internal consultant, really working on supply chain performance. So that, I think, as far as consultancy career goes, that's when it started, year 2000. So yeah. what's that? Yeah, 20 years ago. Blimey. And uh, I was with Rolls-Royce for a good couple of years. Then I started up my own consultancy practice that went spectacularly wrong. Not for my reasons, but, you know, the Twin Towers episode happened and um, that, that had a major impact on the business. But since then, I've, I've worked in, in, in consultancy, really, as, I guess, a transformational change type experience. And um, yeah. really, my role is, um, I guess, leading companies through, through change and uh, coaching and mentoring individuals to be able to affect change and deliver change within their organisation. Great. Great. And, and, and I think, you know, tying all that in brings us nicely onto the topic that we're going to go through. Yeah. Today, which is obviously your experience of developing internal uh, continuous improvement change within organisations. Yeah. Um, you know, where do we start? Where do we start on that? Give me an insight then. So, so great in terms of the intro and the background there, the relevance there. So, how would you then go about that? Yeah, I mean, from my, my perspective is that, and from my own learning experiences, that actually a lot of people that find themselves in a continuous improvement or, or project management position haven't really been set up to um, succeed. So yeah. along the way, I've, I've had to sort of learn from experience and some things that have gone well, some things that haven't gone well, you know. <laughs> and I think there's a much better way. So when organisations identify that they need a continuous improvement leader or they need a continuous improvement function or organization within it is actually setting those people up for success what i mean by that is rather than them struggling along based on their own sort of technical competence this being manufacturing is having the technical ability is one thing but being able to facilitate change and understand people and people being the actual sort of common denominator here that makes either a project a success or, or not a success. Yeah. Yeah. Is is the sort of skills that I'm I'm talking about. And although in your mind as a as a, a project manager or somebody that's heading up a, a, a continuous improvement effort, in your mind, you know, it makes logical sense and it's it's a no brainer, this idea. But actually that's not good enough on its own. You've got to be able to have that that um the skills to be able to, to put the case forward as to why the change is required in the first place and not come yeah. up with your own personal ideas, but facilitating the, the ideas and solutions from others within the organisation. So these are the sorts of skills I'm talking about. It's the people-centric skills, okay. getting people on board to actually get the change that you're, you're looking for. And take, for example, so an organisation, food manufacturing, they make sausages for a living, you know, they make meat or whatever, processed meat, and they are looking to improve process within within their factory and whatever it is, you know. Who who, who would you coach, you know, get you an example, you give us an example of, of how you go about that and who you would coach? Yeah, so ordinarily what I would do is I would meet with a with head of operations, if it's operations led, or or head of HR, if it's um, sort of you know support services led, 
But what we would do is actually with those, those identify the key individuals that are going to be responsible for the chain. And those, then those key individuals I would work with on a project based in the work environment to actually help them with the tools and techniques to be able to facilitate the change with the responsibility that they've been tasked with. Fundamentally, it would, it would um, start with understanding the, the value stream, you know, what's involved from beginning to end, that would then identify where the priorities are for, for change. And it's really for me to coach and mentor those key individuals, so up to five at any one time, I would say, to give them structure, tools and techniques to be able to facilitate the change going forward. And, and see with regards to the value stream that you're talking about there, and, and it depends on where the where, where the, the process is at that step as well. Generally, with your experience in, in doing consultancy, generally, where, where, is, does it tend to be that if somebody's just thinking about making a change within their, their business, that they would reach out to someone like yourself, you would come in and, and then take the project from start to finish, or is it a bit of a helicopter? You know, where you're coming halfway through because I've realised actually, do you want to know what? More working time and effort than, than what I can put in. Therefore, it's better to. No, it's, it's a bit of both, really. I mean, some may be struggling. So you're going in on a, on a reactionary basis. So they're struggling to turn around performance. So you're, you're parachuted into to really on a problem solving basis, identifying the things that are going to turn around that performance you know, using um, uh, Pareto tools and so on. And um, that's more of a reactionary basis. The, the, the nice consultancy projects that I take on are ones where they're more proactive. So they're not crisis-based. They're more what do we need to do to improve and, and get growth up. So businesses yeah. that have got a clear or, not, or unclear growth plan, so they need support with how do they grow, how do they win more business, then I would support with that. But fundamentally is is the projects that I predominantly engage with are ones that are starting from understand the value stream. And what do we need to turn around performance for our for our customers? What are the customers looking for? So the guidance with that. But that value stream drives the whole sort of continuous improvement efforts and the identification of projects that people are, are responsible for that I coach and coach and mentor. I'm not sure whether that makes sense or not. No, it does. It does. And 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 you touched on the skill side of things, the key things, the people centric skills. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean I, I talk I talk a lot about being client centric. What I mean by that is is whenever you're tasked with change, is there be some stakeholders obviously identified but there also be people that are going to be affected by the change itself so you've got a raft of people there that you need to use your skills to one gain rapport with each of those individuals but also understanding what what makes them tick as individuals because everybody's motivated by different different things some people are motivated by going to uh, somewhere else you know as a bright new future but others are motivated by coming away from pain. So it, yeah. <laughs> it is, is understanding what the makeup of each of those individuals and also gaining that trust from the outset with, with those people. So that, that's a whole raft of skills. And, and I talk about it being client-centric because each one of those people within the change effort 
clients in their own right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really taking that approach and developing the, the, the rapport. And I use one methodology. One of my weak areas when I was going through in my career was when I met somebody for the first time, as we all do, is making that instant judgment about the individual. And um, one one guy that I come across in my career that, you know, you, you come across these people that have a, an impact on your on your on the way that you operate as an individual and think, crikey, that was a defining moment in my career. And one of yeah. them was sitting down with a guy, a guy called Dr. Bob Formosa from Minneapolis. And um he used to predominantly go around and do what I do, which is coach and mentor people for yeah. for facilitating change. And uh, after a couple of glasses of wine with this guy <laughs> and having a meal, um I opened up and I said, you know, one of the things that, that I struggle with is when I meet somebody for the first time, I make an instant judgment and I really struggle to, you know, to, to get them on board. I, I just, you know. Ah, yeah. Get that connection. Yeah. And uh, he said, I'll give, you a, I'll give you a model, Lee, and whether this is, you know, fact or not, but I've used it ever since, is that when you meet somebody new, and, and I, I bring this back to stakeholders and your clients. Whenever you meet somebody new and you make that judgment is ask yourself the question, have you spent 16 and a half hours of quality time with those individuals, either on a one-on-one or, or in, a, in a team setting? And if the answer is no, then how can you possibly make a judgment about that individual? And it's just helped me no end. So when I'm when I'm coming across clients for the first time, as an oh, I've got that negative thought, is that model yeah. helps me to park it because actually I can't make any judgment. There isn't any and, and I think as far as the trust equation goes both ways, that's a good model for before you can start to explore those deeper things which is driving the behaviour of of individuals within the within the client system. And, and, and I think that's, you know, it's very key in terms of what you're saying, you know, because if you break it right down, you know, what you're focusing on is the individuals and actually t- exactly. and building that round each of the individuals to drive that change or project or whatever it might be forward, yeah. which is going to be for the benefit of whoever the client is, you know, whatever the, whatever the purpose of, of you being in that business. You've went through that process, you know, when... When typically do you start to see results? You know, you know, when does that start to come to the surface? Uh, I see, I see aha moments. <laughs> so it's straight away, really, because my approach is more around not not having PowerPoint, but explaining, facilitating, using a flip chart. You know, understanding how people learn, and yeah. and, and really, I guess using. Once you gain that rapport and and you come across as as credible, is is really seeing the results in the way that people behave. So yeah, I guess coming back to your your question, which is a difficult one to answer, but when I'm involving people in in understanding the value stream, for example, yeah, yeah, and then you start to challenge some of the thinking, but in a in a constructive way. You see some of the benefits there, but subtle benefits from the light bulb moment, pennies yeah. dropping, and it's almost like um, changing the thinking way in some respects of individuals. Yeah, you see that straight away. 
Yeah. And um, but wider than that is is when it comes to you know you you've understood the value stream, you understand the priorities, you're now sort of focused on a particular area to reduce lead time or processing time or whatever it is that you're focused on. Is then you're you're widening out the, the net, so you're 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 involving shop floor, for example, in a manufacturing environment, in in an effort, but you're starting to to listen. But you may be coaching somebody that's not used to listening. You may be coaching somebody yeah. that is a command and control type, and that style has got to be flipped to not command and command and control, but one of support and encourage. So what you're doing is you're, you're, you're actually showing the way through your own style and you're the person you're coming to. What people mind you, isn't it? It's, it's been a good manager, a good, good understanding of people, a good leader in terms of what, yeah. what you're trying to do, you know, but try and drill in home the purpose of what, you know, why we're you know why the why the business wants to go through that change. Yeah. You know, and 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 really kind of painting that vision for people, but doing it in different ways that actually you're getting the full buy-in from that group of pe- group of people. Is that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, your your, pro- your primary focus is to is to get results at the end of the day. So whatever you, the, the project is is tasked with, you know, whatever that may be, that's your primary is to get the result. The only way you can get the result. Is actually to understand what the, you know, what the priorities are underneath it, but connecting people to make the change required, getting them motivated, getting them engaged, getting them excited about the change yeah. required, and that's that's the whole skill set that I'm talking about. So, Lee, with that, with an example, be so for example, back to this uh, food processing factory, you're, you know, I. Heavy operations is just, you know, looking to streamline the process in terms of the line layout or whatever it might be, has been going through that change, um, you know, has found that it's, you know, a lot, lot more work than expected and start to pull his, pull his or her hair out on, on, on the back of that as well. You know, the fact is that the benefit, you know, by having somebody like yourself, you know, that's, that's what you've been doing for how long? How long? Oh, 20, 20 years. It's 20 years, exactly. You said that actually. So 20 years, day in, day out in terms of what you do, you know, actually when you're able to do. So so would you say something like yourself, would you say you could have a, you know, is is there any, here's here's an interesting one actually, any challenges that you've came up against that you thought, ah, that was a big challenge? Is there any that you've kind of came away from and go, do you want to know what? I've learned something new. I know you always learn something new, but you Something that's kind of really got you going. Oh, actually, yeah. I, I, I one of the biggest projects I from a learning, not biggest projects as far as you know, big scale projects, but um, big project as far as learning goes. You know, going in a boy and coming out a man, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was not necessarily a, a manufacturing based project. It was a rail based. Yeah. So. The project was improving, basically rolling stock performance as far as reliability and availability goes for the for the train set. And um, the way they measure that was is mean distance between failure. Yeah, so looking at looking at the the reliability in those ways. Yeah. That particular train kit that I was on was running around about 
three thousand odd miles mean distance between failure so you know if you imagine purchasing a car and it was breaking down every three thousand odd miles you wouldn't be too happy but the core to that is the way that they maintain the trains and the way that they they basically process exams so the quality of, of doing them making sure that any uh, once i guess unplanned work is is done and all the rest of it and that project really was um bringing in three types of stakeholders one was a train builder one was a train operating company and the other one was the was the consultancy practice that was that was brought in to um to deploy lean within a maintenance environment yeah. and um that environment actually ended up where you was having threatening text messages coming through as a consultancy practice. There was all sorts of things that you wouldn't believe that went on in there, a sabotage of the project, you know. Yeah. And you start to think about, you know, what, why did why did that happen? And, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of thinking on that. And um, really what it boils back to is poor communication. So communication to those that are impacted by the change as to why, you know, this is taking place. Why has a consultancy practice been brought in? What what are they here for? So all all of the resistance was was really based on fear, you know, because it wasn't clear on why you were there, what you were trying to do, what you were trying to achieve, but but you know, what 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 What's my involvement as far as the the client system goes and the and the maintenance guys? You know what 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 do you want from me? And that's probably the biggest biggest learning for me. So any consultancy project that I go on to is I always have to have a green tick or whatever you want to call it against communication. So I will lead the client to make sure that. Yep. communication about what it is that you're trying to achieve, what it is about the project, your your expectations, you know, and people getting involved with expectations, making sure that's crystal clear. And that takes a lot of effort. But, the, but just say that's number one in terms of... Definitely, number one. And and, uh, and the, the better that you communicate up front, and, and when I say communicate, I mean, you know, heavy investment in communication the better prepared you'll be for success. That, that, that for me is the biggest, biggest learning through throughout my experience today. Good, interesting, and, and you know, um, it's just um, kind of just dragging, you know, dragging into you know the challenge. That you know, what would you say? Is, so, biggest challenge in terms of what you've kind of came up against as well. You know, it, taking that away from the people side of things, you know, the sort of size of a scope of a project. Give me, you know, but what would you say? In manufacturing, I, I, I think that generally they're a lot easier, manufacturing. And uh, I think the, the smaller scale manufacturing, the, the easier it is. Yeah. That might sound counterintuitive, but mm-hmm. I think it seems to be the smaller the manufacturing that, site you know say 150 people or whatever the more that you can get around get your arms around the whole whole lot and see how it all connects the larger it is you know and i've worked in some some big blue chips and you just get so frustrated at, at the pace that they go at because it's so 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 big 
But challenges for me as far as project go, I would say would be in, in public sector. Uh, yeah. sector side you know that that's that's a challenge where people aren't really worried about change because it's not really a profit and loss there's no need to change you know <laughs> we still get the same amount of money coming in is that your question i've got a friend who went from a very aggressive private business you know very sales aggressive they did very, very well over a space of, you know, 10-year period or whatever, did very, very well. And then she left that role when the company was sold. And she left that role when she joined uh, the local council. Um, within, so she, she was in sales and then went into HR, left that business because of that, and then joined as HR within the council. Yeah, And she couldn't believe the difference in terms of the mentality, the approach. But there's pros and cons with it as well. I think, you know, and you know, you know, I think that was it initially when she went in there, she thought, what, the, uh, you know, the, the, nobody cares. There's no there's no yeah, a care, well. passion, or whatever drive, motivation is. Yeah. But I bet you that would be quite you know, so so how do how how would you know, I'm just cautious because I'll just wrap it up suddenly, yeah. but how how would you how would you approach that type of? Would it be the same type of approach where you're looking at each individual person? Yeah, exactly the same approach. Exactly the same approach. It's just that the environment is is less dynamic to change, so it's slower. So okay. You get your mind around. Actually, this is going to be slow. You still get yeah. change, but it's just slower. Yeah. And uh, it's not not as exciting. It's frustrating. So I, I'd rather work in a manufacturing facility. Is up the change, does the right communication, sells the vision, gets the people involved, identifies the key people. Here we go, Lee, work with those, and uh, there we go. Yeah. We crack on and get it done. Good, good. Uh, Lee, I want to thank you very much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate it. It's been really good getting that insight there. I've learned a lot there, and I know it's been quite, you know, I, I know we've been keeping it really high, like high level in terms of what what we've been discussing and we've been digging a wee bit deep here and there but I think what came really out of that is the number one being communication and um, making sure that communication uh, is prioritised right from the outset of any change any process or anything at all that's looking to be done and that's not just a, a letter going out or an email going out to staff that's a proper investment into making sure people are bought into what we're doing which makes uh, the job 10 times easier, I'm guessing, yeah. in terms of you getting in there and you can make a real significant improvement. And then obviously off the back of that as well is actually looking at each individual person, uh, you know, what drives that individual person. And then boom, pulling all that together is probably be the word for it, you know, a collaborative approach. Yeah, uh, structure. Yeah, yeah, to, to, to drive that forward. Have I, have I summarised that already? <laughs> you, you have, and uh, it, it, it is around, you know, making sure that you go through in a in a structured way. So that's what I, that's what I give personally as a structured way of coordinating change, really. Yeah. Good. Well, I hope our listeners have enjoyed listening to this uh, episode. Uh, you know, and if you are a, 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 a manufacturing leaders, you know, a, a head of operations, whoever it might be, who might be going through some change at the moment within your business and is looking to possibly have a conversation, you know, and, and see if there's any value 
uh, and someone likely coming into a business, a fresh set of eyes, somebody out with the organisation that can come in and facilitate that process and take and give you time back. Then you can reach out to Lee. Uh, just double checking your email address, Lee. I've got it down as Lee L E E L R K Consulting That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Good. So that's Lee L R K Consulting um, but thanks very much for your time, Lee. No, thank you. I'm enjoying it. Pleasure. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Prime Leadership Podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you would leave us a rating and a review on Spotify and Amazon Music. Subscribe whilst you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.